0: Last week, we introduced you all to the mysterious Bennington Triangle, this place shrouded in a cursed history that claimed several people from the haunted area. We looked into the strong connection to the fae, or dimensional rifts, and the cases of Paula Weldon and James E. Tedford. But tonight, we will be telling you about the other odd cases, the curious weather patterns, and a monster that terrified a group of travelers. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you this week?
1: Doing pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I know you're fighting off a cold this evening, so you're a total champ. I am.
1: I am fighting off a cold, and but I love all of you so much that I wouldn't miss an episode unless I couldn't actually physically speak. Heck, <laughs> that would be the yeah. only way I wouldn't be here.
0: Pagan is committed to the job. Well, as everyone heard from the cold open uh, or the little intro read there, we are going to be wrapping up the Bennington Triangle. Last week, we gave you guys part one where we introduced it all, and we're going to be wrapping it up with some crazy extra stories that that go along with it. Uh, they're going to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to these. They're... There's going to be more question about citation and stuff coming up, which I think is a whole fun conversation. But first, Pagan, huge shout out to all of our people that are currently pledged over on Patreon. You guys are keeping us going. And uh, in the last week there, I threw up that UFO article for people that are $20 level. We tomorrow, which is Friday the 25th where we're recording this, will actually be putting up, uh, was it going to be Friday? What do you, yeah, Friday, I think. We're going to do yeah, the, it's um, Friday. Yes, Yes. thank you. I had a brain melt Mm -hmm. there. Friday, we're going to be doing the bonus episode, too. So that's Pagan and I recapping an amazing paranormal convention that we took part of this last weekend. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of great info in that. Tons of amazing stuff. Lots of book recommendations and the such. So if you guys are interested in supporting the show and want to get some extra insight into all of that, hear our thoughts and all kinds of extra stories, head over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chaos and Shadow. What else do you want to throw out there, Pagan? Want to talk to them a little bit about the uh, the little tarot idea we're tossing together here? Yes,
1: we can totally talk about the tarot idea. Uh, so this last week on Tarot Tuesday was also Mabin, which is the uh, fall equinox. And I did a wonderful tarot read about that. I also did a nice little write-up about it and a spell and a ritual for everybody to do. Uh, That is all for you. You can check it out on chaosandshadow.com or you can head over to the Patreon and see it there. It is free for everybody. But we also decided after going to the convention, PhenomenaCon, uh, we ended up deciding that we were going to do more tarot stuff, more witchcraft stuff, because... There's such a need for it right now. And one of the ideas that we wanted to do was with one of the groups that we work with, which is Rocks. And we are going to d- be doing two tarot rocks that you can purchase per Thursday. Yeah, Either before the stream or before the podcast recording or after the podcast recording. Uh, so pre or post show. I will be doing two tarot reads and it's it's first come first serve whoever gets them there first will be there uh those will be the ones to get them and i will be doing those on stream for you guys for everybody to see so if you guys want those go to rocks and you can check those out and kyle can tell you more about the rocks because i still i understand it but i Uh his (laughs) brainchild so so
0: basically they approached me they are a company that you guys can get digital collectibles just like stickers or badges or things uh, and they're extremely unique. They are very first-come, 1st first serve sort of thing. They last for a very short amount of time. So don't dally on those. Uh, there are free ones up there that are going away. They're kind of a badge of honor that you partook in that thing. And once once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, they did mention something about they're having a trading system being implemented, but it is not in there fully yet. So, again, mm-hmm. once they're gone, they're gone. There's a couple freebies up there if you don't have that money to spend. But if you do, 100% of it comes back to us, the streamer, which is crazy. That's way more than Twitch gives us as a cut. It's way more than, well, a little bit more than Patreon gives because they, they take actually pretty little over there as well. So, rocks is just absolutely wonderful and a fun way for you guys to connect with us, to connect with the show, and take a little bit of that with you uh, on, on your journeys going forward. I think that's all the housekeeping we have to start you guys off with this week. Yes. So, Pagan, let's let's dive in. Let's shall we give them a little bit of a recap and say that we are again focusing Bennington Triangle in Vermont. This is a series of disappearances that happened around the 1950s. Um, primarily thought of as five major disappearances, although there are a couple. Uh, there's there's one that doesn't get thrown in there so much but they all take place in this window and then disappear at, almost as fast as it came in there there haven't been too too many crazy reporting since we did talk about one that dated uh fall 2008 although that person mm-hmm. was actually found they, they they came back around they they survived um, but right now, it kind of feels like, or sounds like, it's in a remission of sorts. That there's not a huge mystery happening at the moment. But Peggy, who should we dive into? Which which person do you want to tackle this week?
1: Um, let's go ahead and talk about Midi Rivers. Yes. So Midi
0: Rivers is not. Uh, sorry, pardon me. Midi Rivers was 74 years old at the time of the disappearance. He was contacted by a group of hunters in the area and asked to go and guide them through the mountains. Now, Mitty was very experienced in this. They were hired for a reason to actually help navigate. So for them to go missing, crazy. But all that happened was that Rivers had got ahead of the hunting group because well, actually they thought he was going ahead to get the tent and everything set up, get the, get the fire started back at camp. And when they caught up, nothing. Which is absolutely wild.
1: <clears throat> and the interesting thing about him, too, is they never found his gear. They never found his gun. They never found anything. Like, he literally just poofed out of thin air. Yeah. And it, he just, they have no idea. There was nothing at camp that made them think any sort of foul play. They they just thought he may have wandered off somewhere and they looked for him. And never found him.
0: Indeed. And it's weird in that way because I mean we we talked a little bit last week about the missing four one one cases where mm-hmm. these people go dis, you know they just disappear and we definitely respect the fact the woods and the forest are, are so large and that canvassing them is a definite challenge. But what I found very weird about this case um, or Mitty's disappearance in particular, much like some of those ones in in uh, missing four one one is that this person was not supposed to be going off pioneering their own path. Um, And that throws me back to the one that we had talked about last week where there was an elderly man who was supposed to be staying stationary, waiting Mm -hmm. for deer to come his way, and he went missing. And I, I, you know, free will and all that, so maybe they are off, you know, doing something they shouldn't do. Maybe they really were just going to go take a leak behind something and tripped and fell into a whatever. But also, at the same time, these people, when they're getting lost, are not setting out to pioneer new turf. They're just walking back to camp or something like that. Like, it's... exactly. Yeah, that's huge. Like, critics and people that want to dismiss it will say, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a bunch of reasonable variables how they could have gotten lost. But I go back to the fact that they weren't trying to go find a new spot. Like, that would be different. If Pagan and I were like, hey, guys, tomorrow we're just going to go run up the mountainside and find a whole new hangout. And then we go missing. <laughs> that's another story. But if we're like, hey, we're just going back to a spot we know that's not hard to get to. It's not crazy. And then we're not. that." That's
1: that's a whole different thing in my world. I don't know about you, Pagan. Absolutely. And, you know, they, the funny thing is they say, oh, he's 74 years old. He could have easily wandered off. This guy was an experienced hunter to fisherman, and I think back to when my grandfather um was in his late 70s, early eighties, he was still out working the cattle, he was still out building fence in the middle of winter, like he was not slowing down because of how old he was. And Mitty Rivers kind of reminds me of that kind of guy. He doesn't remind me of somebody that's just going to slow down because he hit 74 years old and it's like, oh, time to retire. You know, he was doing what he loved. He loved hunting. He loved fishing. And most of the people that do those kind of sports, they don't mind trekking for a mile to get to their favorite hunting spot or trekking two or three miles to their favorite fishing lake or whatever. It was very much... That he was, he knew what he was doing, and so if he did just walk a little bit ahead of the group to get to camp, I guarantee he also wouldn't have left that group on their own because he was guiding them if they didn't know how to get back to camp. So he wouldn't have just completely been like, okay, y'all are on your own, goodbye now. No, he would have been like, this is how you get back to camp. I'm going to go a little bit ahead, get stuff started, do whatever they, you know... And then separate, that would be fine because they would know where he was going. He wouldn't literally walk off without a trace because he was a guide. Guides don't walk off without just telling somebody. They'd say, hey, I'm going to do this and I'll meet you here. That's what guides do. So I very much think that the fact that he did that, it, it would scream to me if it was a actual missing persons case that there had to be foul play. But the fact that there was nothing to be found, there was no evidence. Now, granted, there was also not a state police force. There was not really a major searching and search mm-hmm. and rescue force at this time either. So, it, a lot is called into question because he was technically one of the first. He was one of the major first, I should say. There, there was the thirteen-year-old boy Melvin Helms that was before him. Yes, but he was still technically the major first case. So, I don't know. It's
0: weird. It really is. It really is. Because last week we talked about Paula Weldon, where she you know was at, at college and all of that, and and how uh, massive massive search spawned from it because she was from an affluent background. Like you touched upon, you know Paula's case is actually the one that happens a year later. Let me let me recap this for everyone to put it concisely. So Mitty's case, uh, that disappearance is November twelfth of nineteen forty five. Paula Weldon disappears December 1st of 1946. So about what um, a year and two, three weeks, something like that yeah, and about that
1: about two weeks. that Paula's case
0: is what really is cited as spawning the police force. They went really uh, thorough with it with dogs having over a thousand people having a reward of you know that dollars back then it was it was quite a bit going on so uh, you're, you're you're right I, I agree in the sense that there's a lot of woods to cover there's not enough people or like a force uh, a unified unified body put together to do that yet still feels weird though i mean how you know he's with a group of other hunters too so that feels weird i don't know what to say about midi's case I, I wish we had further details, I guess, is really what it is. Some of these cases in the 40s are hard, hard, hard to get more details on. And that is something I will forever be a little bit sad about.
1: It's very true. And, you know, you also think that they, despite the fact that newspapers were a very big thing back then, it was still very hard to get reporters out there to actually report on these cases because the amount of reporting that was done on him from... The little bit that we could find was very small. Yeah. It was like a little blurb that was mentioned. Like it wasn't, you know, nowadays if there's a missing hiker, (laughs) like Paula Walden got like a five-page spread every time she was in the paper. And I'm not kidding when I say like a good five-page spread. She had a lot of newspaper coverage. And perhaps that was something to do with her, her family, but at the same time, You know, nowadays when there's an Amber Alert, everybody gets a text on their phone. If there's missing persons, we get notified about it. It's on every TV station. It's in the newspapers. It's everywhere. Was it just the time period that he just didn't get that coverage? Or did just nobody care because he wasn't from an affluent background?
0: Maybe a little bit of both. I I could see both. But here's the thing that's strange. Okay, this is what's going to make me think it's more the the affluent or lack thereof background in this case i that there was a lot less people in the area at the time this was a very very uh unpopulated area you would think his disappearance would cause a bit more of a stir uh, at least i would i'm <laughs> sorry maybe i'm just in the total wrong head space here but i'm thinking if there's less people in the world If these are a way smaller area, because we we talked last week, this town is very small in these parts. This isn't huge, Mm -hmm. booming metropolises. Uh, I would think that at the time, especially, if someone had gone missing, you would have gotten covered more. But I think you are probably right. I think there's something to be said about the lack of money involved. I think that there's something dismissible uh, about a 74 year old man going missing uh, who likes hunting i guess like I-, I could see people writing that off being like well he died doing what he loved and being like that's it but but we don't know he- we don't know how he died we don't know that we just know he's missing We don't even know
1: that he died out in the woods for all we know he went up to canada and was just like peace out i'm leaving the wife. i'm leaving everybody goodbye right i mean it- it's very possible that something like that could have happened but Again, literally, there were no tracks. There was nothing, nothing there. Nothing that stated, oh, hey, he never made it back to camp. He just disappeared off the face of the earth.
0: It's bizarre. It is. I agree. Also, shout out to Doom in our uh, Twitch chat here for resubscribing during the podcast. Thank you very much for doing that. So moving on from Midi and moving Mm -hmm. on past Paula, who we covered last week. We did talk about James E. Tedford. We mentioned his disappearance from the bus, where he's literally uh, on—in route, like, apparently from a moving bus, this man disappears. Peggy and I got to do some crazy behind-the-scenes digging into birth certificates and such. And we're kind of going to see that maybe lack of reporting details come forward again here as we get into our next case, which— is that of eight-year-old Paul Jeffson. So on October 12th of 1950, Paul Jeffson vanished from his mother's truck. She left him unattended while she was going to feed some pigs. And as a, as a country kid here, that's not super uncommon. However, I, I see that it's she, she left him for an hour, which feels like a, kind of a long amount of time, just leave your kid in, in a car. That
1: time period, it wasn't. My parents left me in the car as a kid in, like for an hour Ugh. when I was like his age.
0: I mean, I'm not saying it it <laughs> wasn't I'm just saying it wasn't a good thing then and it's not a good thing now. So, bad no, parents all around. Then
1: I like it, but for the time period it was common. You know, these are the same kids that you would see a baby sitting in a mother's lap driving down the road during that time period.
0: That's not what bothers me, though I understand where you're coming from there. What gets yeah. me is this kid was completely left unattended and disappeared from it, which is pretty yes. big. That isn't something that should be dismissed because as much as you might have been left alone kids do get kidnapped so Mm -hmm. that's some of the thinking around this case i mean we do have a kid left in a car who could have been swiped out of said car because when she returned as you guys already know her son was gone search parties were formed to look for the child but nothing was found he was wearing a bright red jacket at the time like paula weldon uh and we also have reports of bloodhounds being able to track him to a highway, hence why people think the kid was actually kidnapped. So all in all, I, I it's it's one of those cases where this one does seem to have a pretty solid lead, but what are you gonna do? I mean, with the lack of eyeballs, you know, with the lack of everything else that happened in this case. Um, for jeffson here i mean no one was to see him if he was getting taken you know abducted sadly so it sits as one of those stories where we go was it something paranormal i i personally don't think this one was i because I, the, the the reporting around it definitely implies <coughs> abduction but it could be there's the coloring of the coat um that's a common recurrence we talked about the bloodhound scent disappearing i don't know pegan what do you think about this one
1: So I read an article about this kid and the reason that they actually stopped reporting on him in the newspapers, they stopped about six months after his disappearance because the newspapers were actually starting to print some unsavory things about the parents and stating that the parents might have done something to him and, or, you know, these things do happen. It's very sad. Uh, the parents basically said, we're never going to talk about this again. We're not going to report on this again because you guys are printing the wrong information. You're you're making us to be villains when we're actually trying to find our son. And the police never could find any sort of unsavoriness with the parents from the, the article that I did read. But at the same time, it was one of those things that mm-hmm. those things do happen. You know, parents do get blamed for children going missing when the children, the parents weren't at fault. It was just a horrible thing that happened to that family. I don't know what happened to this boy. I do find it very coincidentally weird that he was also wearing a bright red jacket like Paula Walden and went poof. By the way, he was also tracked to the same highway that connects to the same trail where Paula Walden went missing. Yeah, it's very strange and very weird, but it does happen. And I don't know if this kid was just kidnapped. I hope that nothing awful happened happened to him, and he ended up basically with another family that wasn't his own that took care of him. It does happen. That's the best case scenario of that if he was kidnapped. But if he wasn't, um. There's some interesting connections to Faye. Again, we've Mm -hmm, seen a mm -hmm. lot of connections to Faye with this one. And there are many Faye that like to take children. And so he was one of those ones, especially they say, if you're a child walking through the woods, don't wear bright colors. Wear dark colors. Which is terrible because anybody who walks through the woods always should tell you wear bright colors in case you get lost. And uh, it... I don't know. It could have been Faye. It could have been a kidnapping. I don't know either way it's just a very sad story that an eight-year-old is no longer or was no longer around his parents and wasn't able to grow up into a life that he should have had
0: it really is and and that kind of takes us to that first kind of big segue where we talk about doing your research because Mm -hmm. i was today just going through looking for for more sources so as always I, i pop back to our good old uh good old wikipedia and take a gander through what they have and i pulled up all the sources they had associated with jeffson only to find that the stuff that was written there either came from some of those very very unreliable looking websites that look like they're still made in the 90s you know the bright blue text or the bright bright red text uh so I was reading these accounts over there, which it looks like the Wikipedia article actually pulled really heavily from. Uh so mm-hmm. be careful when you guys are doing this. The other stuff that I found was a broken 404 link and a a, a medium article, one of those, you know, blog sites sort of things. So at the end of the day, I was really bummed to see uh, you know, that when people go to get a kind of a cursory view of this case, there's a lack of distinct strong evidence tied to it. Instead, like we said last week, this case tends to be a huge echo chamber of a lot of shared ghost stories, if you will, or, you know, campfire tales, which I definitely think that there's absolutely something to it. Um, There's a lot, you know, to be said about what what people are sharing with it, but it is one of my fears for this case that I think there could be something interesting here, but I'm very worried that it keeps getting buried underneath fluff. I don't know.
1: I... (laughs) It's kind of one of those things that um, we will. We kind of learned a little bit about at the con this last weekend, uh, Phenomena Con, and we learned that from uh, Dr. Andrea Kida when she talked about folklore mm-hmm. and how somebody just constantly spreading the story creates this great mythology behind it. And perhaps, maybe he was kidnapped, and he just got lumped into some of cases that were actually possibly paranormal and his just was the one that wasn't, it just got lumped in with the others cause he was a disappearance.
0: Right. It's, it's, it's so, it's so possible. It's so, it's so unfortunate that these cases don't have more threads to them because I would love to pull on these, uh, do you want to go ahead and read one of our next ones here? Because this one ties in just right after the Jefferson disappearance.
1: I can attempt it with my throat. Oh, do you want me to doing. do it? I'll happily if read you it. Would, if you actually would, sure. it's, I, I don't want to start, yeah, let's like, not sneezing put Pagan so. on the spot <laughs> for that.
0: So, 16 days after Jefferson had vanished, which this is now October 28th of 1950, uh, Frida Langer, aged 53, and her cousin left their family campsite near Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. Now, during that hike, Langer slipped and fell into a stream. She told her cousin she was going to walk back to the campsite, change her clothes. But when the cousin gets back to the campsite, finds out that Frieda Langer had not returned. Five searches were conducted, and up to 300 searchers were sent out. No traces were found. This is, a, this is another one of those spooky ones, Megan. What the heck is going on? Just going back to the camp. Pardon me. Let me get back to reading this. So no cause of death could be determined when her body was found on May 12th, 1951. Her body was laying near the same area of the reservoir. So her body was not found, let's see, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Almost eight months later. Later, her body was found mm-hmm. near that reservoir where they had already been searching.
1: And it's also very interesting to note that she was found on May 12th, 1951. Paul Jefferson went missing October 12th, 1950. They both, the body and every, all of these dates have weird connections. Like Paula Weldon and James Tedford, exactly three years to the day Separation from each other. November 12th, 1945, Mitty Rivers went missing. Again, we're back with the 12s. It's so bizarre how things work out in these cases. And it's just, I don't know. Like, these ones are very strange. Very strange.
0: Yes, I will agree. These These ones have a lot, a lot, a lot of weird numerology-style repetition there. Synchronicity in their dates. Mm-hmm. uh i and i wish again it came out to more i mean what would be interesting in the future is to try and run these dates through we need it we need to, we need to meet a thelema person or someone that understands the secret cipher of the euthanauts and run these dates through it <laughs> we, i
1: if we have any thelema people out there who understand it way more than pagan does please raise your hand in the glass because uh we we actually attended a lecture about it and i i told kyle and y- you can hear about it in the patreon lecture but i did uh say exactly how much i do not understand it <laughs> i don't yeah go take a gander
0: <laughs> of that one that was a fun one and i neither do i either the uh Thelema is very, very complex, but it would be very interesting to run some of these recurring dates through them because, like Mm -hmm. you said, I I don't know if there's a pattern uh, that I, like, it's not one that makes sense, right? Like It it, it It doesn't make sense, no. So that's why I wonder, like, if you get more into the meta of the paranormal, you know, if we get into that sort of ultra-terrestrial stuff that we we go into, that pig and I are breaching and exploring, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to start running these more meta dates and things through some of these ciphers, see what that would yield out, because the recurrence is just weird and feels overly coincidental for how yes. disconnected these cases actually feel. Like, truly, these cases are tied together very strongly by the bizarre circumstances of their disappearances and their time period uh, mm-hmm. and specifics of that time being an extra cherry on the cake or whatever they,
1: they, and you know the interesting thing is too for those of you who know kyle and i are very big into the show hellier if you've never watched you can watch it on youtube or amazon prime go watch it it's amazing our dear friends dana and greg newkirk uh are the producers and creators of that show but in the second season spoiler alert they go to a place called somerset kentucky oh. And this may have been what you wanted to put in there. I don't know because we talked about this earlier, but uh, the fact that she disappeared near the Somerset Reservoir. And so there's some interesting coincidences with that as well. When you have Somerset in Vermont, you've got Somerset, Kentucky, where weird disappearances and are not disappearances, weird happenings, I should say, Mm -hmm. are happening as well. So, What's up with this, the, the word Somerset? Like, why is this a big thing? And I know Somerset. There's also Somerset in England as well. Yes. Um. So, any of our UK friends, if you know any weird stuff that happens in Somerset over there, please tell us about it because we'd like to know if there's a just a connection to that word and some strange synchronicities with that as well.
0: I feel like there is. Now, I could. I'm. I'm making this up, going off the script chat, but I feel. Like, maybe from Hellier, maybe from somewhere else. Maybe I just made this up. But it does feel to me like um the word Somerset is often associated with a fae in some way. I, I, I feel like maybe I'm getting that from Hellier. But if there is something there, and I'm not saying there is. I, I want to dig into this more. But if there is some sort of weird thing going around with these places that are titled Somerset, mm-hmm. or that that... I don't know. It would be so interesting to see if there is like a weird uptick of disappearances or something in those cities,
1: towns, even counties. Weird activity. Not even necessarily disappearances, just weird activity.
0: Mm-hmm, and,
1: mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think there were disappearances. Don't quote me on this. There might be disappearances with the one in Kentucky. Yes. I would have to look. Yeah. There but was I thing. know there was weird activity.
0: That, so, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for the chat. I won't tell them yes. more, but you guys got to go watch that. Go go give our, our friends, uh, give their show a listen. Hellier is amazing. It's so worth a watch.
1: Yes. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things that this is a weird one. And this is also another case that links very much to that missing 411 kind of cases. Yeah. Because, again, she disappeared without a trace. They did all sorts of stuff. You know, they looked with her for her. Uh, with aircraft, 300 searches, and her body came up in a place that was extensively searched seven months prior, and yeah. she was never found. I find that bizarre, because we heard that time and time
0: again in the actual yes. 411 documentary, though we watched uh, Missing 411, The Hunted, and a friend on Twitter, by the way, found a ver- the the regular Missing 411, not The Hunted, on youtube so maybe in the description below i can include a link to that so people listening at home could go and at least grab that on youtube as well i was very happy i'm mm-hmm. excited um but yeah i we should we should definitely do some meta research into the idea of somerset uh sean Sola's in chat here says you're right kyle somerset is a very pagan place in the uk so i want to know i want to know what's going on behind that if there's any sort of real connection but i'm very Back to what I was—I was kind of distracted myself with that. These people, the bodies just being found in areas that were already thoroughly canvassed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is weird. Is very, very weird. And they're not finding the bodies yes. with like. So one thing you'll hear that's pretty common, I guess, in in the true crime world is that killers will go back and like they'll dump a body somewhere. But these people mm-hmm. are not showing signs of human interference, let's say, you know, they're not, right. not showing signs of a struggle or any kind of violence in that way. That is a proposed theory that we kind of talked last week, that there is a thought that there might be, a, might have been a serial killer at the time. However, the most important thing for isolating out a serial killer is that they usually go for specific groups of people. It can change. And in fact, I'm listening to a last podcast on the left episode about a guy who has a very loose. uh definition of who he's killing although in this guy's case he's going after sex workers so again fitting that style however he did also kill children before the sex workers so that is a pattern developing and changing i don't know if that's the case that's going here again i think you'd hear more about the bodies having damage to them especially in this woman's case but It is strange that this all happens within about a five or so year period and then goes away until that weird anomalous case in 2008, which we talked about last week. Yes. I don't know, Peggy. The the cases are
1: just extremely bizarre, extremely strange. And there's so many different connections that are kind of just... Very coincidental and very eerie in those regards. You know, like we have with the dates and all that. The dates are weird and the numbers within the dates are strange. And that five-year period between them all. And, you know, the missing 411 pieces. There's so many things that it really brings me back to what uh, Andrea Kidda, Dr. Andrea Kidda talked about at Phenomenacon um, with the fact that she said exactly that... A singular experience or case does not make up the lore surrounding some place. But a cumulative group of cases and experience are what make it attribute to something significant. If all these cases were just individual cases, you know, over the course of like a 50-year period, we would probably never even look at them. Not even look at them in a coincidence. And we would just say, be like, oh, another hiker went missing. Oh, that happens. It's a rough neck of woods. But because they're so close together... They're so strange, and there's so many different little nuances and ties to all of them together. That's what makes it an entire paranormal case. Again, if they were just by themselves, they would be completely different. I agree with that. Um, also, I- I'll shout out that we're getting
0: some really good responses in chat here tonight. A uh, 12-sided guy shouts out, the association with Somerset is usually said that the Sealy courts shift Who's in power as the summer ends to give way to the Unseelie? That fey. is
1: correct. Well, I've been, Dropping been, some I've been doing lore. my, my Fae lore research lately on my own time, because uh, I'm working on some articles for you guys on the Fae. And I've been learning about the sealy and Unseelie courts and the different shifts and all that stuff. So it, it's... It's a very fascinating world. <laughs>
0: well, that is the other a-
1: important thing to
0: shout out, that there's some there's some validity, especially to what's said. Because uh, let's, let's even jog our brains back to last week where we said, but these things did happen at the end of the year as that season kind of sets in. Like the season we're approaching now, right? These all happened October to December. Uh, let's see. Right. We've got November 12th, December 1st, December... I guess this one would be, yeah, another December 1st, because that was the year afterwards. October 12th, uh, October 28th, fall 2008 on that, guys. Like, there's a lot of this fall window. Now, I saw someone saying, here's where that disconnected information comes into play. Some people said, but the snow, the snow, the, the, this season could cause visibility challenges when, when doing these investigations or these, i um, sorry, the hunts for these people, And that is true. Although, I personally, I don't know about you, Pagan, if you saw any of this in your research, but I didn't see anyone really claiming that the wind, I'm sorry, that the snow necessarily impeded their search.
1: Did you see that? I didn't see anything about snow in any of the research, actually. No.
0: I I just, this was in an article I was reading again. It was a simple kind of one off thing where they said, well, these all happen towards the end of the year, and so does bad weather. And I go, yeah, of course, that's true. But then why isn't that noted you'd think actually usually that gets reported that's the thing that does get reported is hey our uh, search was delayed because of snow and in fact there's a great yes. reason for people to report that and that's because then the police aren't in trouble if they can't find them as much because they have a legitimate excuse so i don't mean that to be you know dismissive i mean to say you'd want that to be out there hey we're having trouble finding this guy because we can't get there and do it Right. People like to put that out there. You know, what you don't want to put out there is, yeah, hey, we got boots on the ground and we're just still like we can't do it. That's a whole other thing. So I'm just sitting there kind of massaging my temples going, what is happening? How are all these disappearances just happening with no one really caring to do too, too much extra minus uh, minus our affluent one from last week, Paula Weldon?
1: Mm hmm. Let's move it, on, It's then. very true. Yeah, and, you know, that that's definitely very true. We, we have other paranormal ties to this area, not just disappearances. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about those paranormal ties. So what do you want to dive
0: into next? Because we've got a monster to talk about, but we're already talking about weather. So should we kind of... Dive I would into weather let's patterns? wrap
1: up with the weather and then let's go back to our monster.
0: Okay. Well, so for weather patterns, there are mountaineers and professional hikers that insist that the root of the Bennington Triangle folklore is nothing more than that sinister weather I just mentioned. Uh, they suggest that sudden local wind patterns on the mountainside can be erratic and changeable. Even those that are very familiar with the area could suddenly suffer from disorientation. Okay. That... that the, you know, the fun thing to this is there is actually Native American lore that ties in. I was in. just thinking that. Oh, then do
1: you want to hit it? Go for <laughs> it. Let them know. I was literally just thinking that. Well, so that. Sorry, chat. I had to sneeze. I apologize. Um, but yes, so one of the things the Abenaki actually talk about is the ever changing winds and the fact that all four winds meet on the top of Mary Mountain. Yes. So that's definitely if you know we have mountaineers and professional hikers that are confirming those Abenaki stories is basically stating, yes, they were not wrong about this. Those four winds do meet up there and they change consistently. Yeah. Is it possible to cause disorientation? Maybe. I I think if you're somebody who, you know, knows your way by, you know, figuring out where the wind is, um, I find that to be wholly unreliable because, again, winds change. That would be something that I would say wouldn't necessarily be disorienting, but I would say would be, again, unreliable. I, I wouldn't trust the wind for my directional no uh, navigation. <laughs> well, and let's also just
0: throw again back some of these other ones. Paula Weldon, she was seen by an elderly couple on that walk, right? Like she'd rounded a corner and that's when she was out of sight and disappeared, Um, We have James Tedford, who was in a vehicle driving down the highway when he apparently miraculously disappeared. So, hmm, you know, I would say in Weldon's case with the other people on the trail, you'd think they would get pretty disoriented, too, right? They weren't. They were just enjoying a fairly leisurely hike, from what I understand. They
1: they were not far up the mountain. No. So, again, there's a
0: difference there. It's, it's, It's easy to say oh, well, this sounds like the solution. But then there's also like a fairly great counterpoint just sitting in the wings on all these cases. Like, well, yeah, mountain winds, that makes sense. However, not doing extreme hiking here.
1: Uh, Uh, And, you know, if they were going to the very top of the mountain, I think that would be different because you're much higher in elevation. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think is what could be the disorienting is when you have those shifts in air pressure, that can cause elevation sickness, which can cause dizziness and cause migraines can cause nausea and all sorts of what we see in the paranormal occurrences. And, but the thing is a lot of those paranormal occurrences, those are things that people experience further down towards the base of the valley, not at the very top. So I, 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 I'm sorry, mountaineers and professional hikers, but I'm, gonna have to say I don't think the weather patterns have anything to do with these cases it does that's my
0: not feel bad my opinion yeah
1: I I want to say
0: again because they're so diverse but I will also throw back to that that serial killer thing for the same reason I also find that really challenging it's not impossible that someone could just grab Paula uh, you know off of the path you know and people not see it like that could happen but that also sounds like there'd probably be a scuffle and her screaming and, uh, you know, yeah. how did the serial killer steal the guy out of the back of that moving bus? And like, you know, there's it just doesn't, every time you start to make a pattern with this case, it starts to break down. And maybe that's intentional, which we'll get to here in a bit. But before we get to the crazy paranormal, let's let's dive in a little bit further and and talk about the Bennington monster here, because... There are reports of a Bigfoot-like creature in the area, actually a report so early as the 19th century, where a stagecoach full of passengers were making their way over the mountains near Glastonbury, near present-day Route 9 in Woodford. It was well past dark, and a violent rainstorm washed uh, out the road. The rain was coming down so hard, it soon forced the driver to come to a complete stop in the dark and wet mountain wilderness. As he hopped down from his perch, again, stagecoach time, he noticed something peculiar illuminating or illuminated by his uh, lantern light. There were unfamiliar footprints in the mud just ahead of him. Megan, are we talking? Do you think we got a Bigfoot causing problems here?
1: I think we have a Bigfoot causing problems. And, you know, we do hear about Bigfoot lore, and we, we in our other cases that we've talked about, not just in Vermont, but in New Hampshire and Maine. They do mention that Bigfoot is lurking about, but he never really had any substantial evidence for us to be like, yeah, we're going to talk about Bigfoot. And so this is one of those ones where he this case is still so well known from the 19th century that they think that Bigfoot lurks in Glastonbury Mountain. They really do. They think he's up there. So Mm. let's keep going with this story and tell him what happens in the end.
0: Well, So again, he got down, he sees these strange footprints in the mud, and the rain, I mean, I guess kind of strangely enough with how much water and stuff's going on there, how much downpour they're facing, the rain had not washed the footprints away yet, so they had to be fresh tracks. That the driver had reckoned. His observations revealed the tracks were widely spaced, suggesting that whatever made them was quite large. He noticed the horses were beginning to get spooked. He soon hollered back to the passengers and asked for their opinions. That's really what you want to hear on your stagecoach journey. Uh <laughs> hey guys, I found something. That's the part where the movie just goes downhill from there on. Uh, As the horses grew more and more spooked, the driver started to become spooked himself. Something was lurking nearby as the passengers, again like bad movie villains, as they began to step out, something dealt a savage blow to the side of the carriage. Now all of the passengers scrambled out of the carriage, completely terrified. The blows kept coming until the whole thing tumbled over on its side. Maybe it was smarter than to get out of there, actually. Those quivering passengers (laughs) and the driver huddled together in the dark. Soon they saw two large eyes staring at them. A vague detail described the creature as roughly eight feet tall and hairy. Soon it went back into the woods. And shortly after, whatever had attacked them became dubbed the Bennington Monster. I dig it. I dig this story. I like it. I actually want this to be the answer. I don't know that it is. But I want it to be.
1: So let's talk a little Bigfoot lore. Okay. And the Bigfoot lore, Bigfoot doesn't take people. He doesn't do anything. He wants to be left alone. He wants to live his life upon wherever the hell he lives. And so, but if you come into his territory and he finds out that you're in his territory, they will throw massive tree branches, like gigantic Take a whole branch off a tree, break it off, and chuck it at you. Kind of throw at you. Yeah. And they will throw large boulders. They will throw all sorts of stuff at these things. So that when they say these blows kept coming at that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that he was ripping those tree branches off and tossing them at the, the stagecoach. I don't think he was actually up there shaking it. I'm pretty sure they would have seen him. I would and, think so, too. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is the 19th century. But I'm pretty sure... In that scenario, they would have seen him. So I'm thinking tree branches, I'm thinking probably chunks of dirt, probably rocks, something is being thrown because that's what they do. They will, Bigfoot is known for throwing these types of things to get your attention, to scare the crap out of you, and tell you to get out. And he will chase you out of those woods to make sure you leave. Now, at this point, when they're all huddled up and all this and they're not leaving and he's not leaving, they kind of have this, you know, old West stand down and stare down at each other. And you hear that tumbleweed kind of music going on because this is very much set up like a movie. Of course, it would be. I think at that point, he probably realized, okay, I've scared the crap out of them. They're going to go. I can go. They don't need to see me anymore. I'm going to leave because there's more of them than me. And I think that's what happened. I think that Bigfoot left. I think that Bigfoot's just like, you know what? I scared the crap out of you. You guys are scared the crap out, so I'm just going to go. And I think he turned around and left. And so uh, when it comes to the disappearances, I really don't truly believe that Bigfoot is responsible. I think that he maybe lives up there, perhaps, but in terms of him taking people, that is completely against Bigfoot lore.
0: However, I have a secret car, uh, a, a secret rebuttal for you, which is oh, tell me <laughs> some people think that Bigfoot is related to aliens and there is alien activity in this area reported as we know from our previous you know just discussions i mean again we're right across from new hampshire where the hills were taken only 10 years after this time and such so there's a lot of reports in these Vermo- vermont areas of these sightings if those two are somehow linked maybe bigfoot aliens are abducting people Pagan, i don't know though.
1: that is very possible that is very possible i I'm still on, you know, you and I have talked about the the Bigfoot aliens before in our own time. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of on the fence about the Bigfoot aliens. I want Bigfoot to be a real living, breathing creature. I don't want him to be an alien. No offense to the alien guys out there. I just like you guys coming down from your spaceships and looking cute and adorable like you always do. But I, when it comes to Bigfoot, I want him to be big and hairy and scary. No him to be an animal. I don't want him to be this crazy cryptid that might be an alien, might be you know from an alternate dimension. I want him just to be Bigfoot because I like Bigfoot. I like Bigfoot just the way he is. Bigfoot, don't go change. We love you the way you are. <laughs> I,
0: I maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have to. We should do a Bigfoot episode fairly soon. I think We
1: will have to. <laughs> yeah,
0: before before this before twenty twenty is out, we're gonna have to do one because uh, we are gonna be watching a very interesting Bigfoot documentary in about oh gosh, a week or so again we're throwing to our hellier gang over there they're they're gonna reveal a, an old bigfoot documentary they've had in their archive forever and uh, i i will just tease that that documentary they went into the woods i don't remember the location if do you remember was it new york for them or i can't life and me can't remember and teased it but they go into the woods with this man with that's totally armed hands all these young guys guns and it's like we're going to get you know we're gonna look out this bigfoot might be after us if we go up there so i'm very excited to see that i'm so excited to actually talk uh, about him and do full-on research because there's so many different ideas and theories that are tied together so we will work on that for you guys that will be an upcoming It should also be said, though, coming back to this case as we wrap it up, because we're giving you guys a nice long episode, it should be said that there are other paranormal occurrences in the area, including terrifying voices allegedly showing up on dead air radios, sightings of mysterious figures, unexplained navigational mishaps. Those are just a couple. Some even believe that there is a portal or dimensional rift on the mountain, which, again, is kind Mm -hmm. of an idea that. Applied to Tedford, right? That he might have actually been uh, somehow the portal opened at the right place, right time, and whoosh, took yep. him away.
1: Everybody came out the other side except him, yeah. which is very true with uh, the portal lore and all that. That sometimes groups of people will walk through, you'll walk through portals and people will never know it. And if he was one of those types of people that was just open enough, he might have realized, oh, hey, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And he might have just gotten stuck. It does apparently, according to lore, happen. And it's one of those things that I need to know everything there is to know about that because it's fascinating. I need to know it all.
0: I agree with you. <laughs> I agree.
1: Do we have uh, anything else you kind of want to give some f-
0: closing thoughts on this if you have any, Pagan? Do so, you, you know, wrap like, it
1: up? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that we talked about, we talked about the, this, the cases, you know, if they were individual cases... We probably would have never looked at them. Nobody would have ever said, "Oh, these are you know paranormal cases." But because they're all grouped together, that's what makes this a paranormal case. This is what makes this a paranormal hotspot, is because of that. And you know, I've I've read so many articles in the last couple of weeks when we've been researching this about saying that, oh, the Native Americans knew that it was paranormal. But truth be told, I love Native American lore, but they have a paranormal story for everything. <laughs> They really do. And it's not a bad thing. It's it's part of their culture. It's part of their history. And it's what makes it fascinating. But in this regard, the Abenaki, the, the Native Americans, they were right. There's something up with this mountain. And I love the fact that we found this case. I love that it's so interesting. It would be very interesting to kind of keep an eye on for the future to see if anything else comes out of this area. But... I would almost kind of say that maybe the Bennington Triangle is mostly closed. I think that whatever the curse was, I think it may have died out finally. And I think that it might just be a peaceful place to go hiking that might have some odd sensations happening. That's about it.
0: Be careful about wearing bright colors, I suppose, in that area. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, wear them, but also wear your bright colors, but also wear your doll colors to counteract your bright colors. You don't get taken. I guess.
1: (laughs) Or just bring some honey with you. The Fae love the honey.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. That's a great one. Yeah. Bring some, bring some snacks along the way to feed them. So I I think this was, this was great. I really wound up liking the Bennington triangle a lot more than I expected to when we first got into it, Mm -hmm. because uh, I, I guess when I first approached this case, this did not look like anything to me, and I was very dismissive of it at first. And I still stand here, very frustrated at the end, going, "I just want more readily available information." Because obviously, you and I, with COVID and everything, can't just gallivant over there. It's a lot of money to just go flying around the U.S. But I'd love to go in that area and talk to people that you know may have see what actual kind of lore is still held in the hearts and minds of people in that area to hear what they think about these cases. Because again, like I said, the Bennington Triangle has become very big online, but in its own way, very inflated and has grown its, its own lore. And maybe maybe that's the, the thing that the Triangle's trying to tell us, too, is think beyond simple missing persons cases. You know, look at the big... Mm-hmm picture like you said very very eloquently it all builds upon itself and becomes its own living breathing entity and you know i don't want anyone to get hurt with the triangle but maybe we will see something else happen with it in the future who who knows the world's the world is a very weird and unsettled place right now so it
1: is and the the unsettledness of the world is definitely taking a toll on the paranormal world as well we we learned that this weekend so it's yeah. very curious it's very interesting and i would say that that is a wrap for our case today
0: i think so you guys should definitely go check out the patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash chaos and shadow it helps us so much when you guys subscribe over there It keeps us going and in the future we really hope to upscale everything we are just starting to talk with people about bringing on uh, assistant researchers and stuff to help us out in our cases. So if that ever mm-hmm. is an interest of yours, please feel free to reach out to us on the Discord server, or you're welcome to send over an email. Uh, use the website submission form for that as well. That's that's totally fine. Uh, we would just we want to get people more involved with the show. We're looking to grow things in our own way. Pagan, you had mentioned. Uh, Doing some tarot before and after our live Mm -hmm. shows on Thursdays. That's going to be phenomenal. My tarot deck just arrived today, and I started binging uh, this 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 kind of tarot class series. And this brings up a really big announcement for you guys. That on Friday, October second, on this podcast feed, you should be hearing our very first public interview with the amazing katie webb she was part of the haunt me series that was done in maine it ran she was on for six of the i think seven seasons that they've had she was on there for mm-hmm. a great long time she did a phenomenal just absolutely energy charged wonderful lecture this weekend that had Pagan and i just blown away um she's going to be talking uh we're going to talk to her about a couple different things i want to pick her brain about this meta concept that we're talking about i Mm -hmm. really want to talk to her about her focus on divination because she is a what she call herself Pagan a a divinatrix a divinatrix that's because (laughs) she
1: makes her tarot cards her bitch (laughs) that was her exact line i make my tarot cards into a tool they become my bitch and i'm like I've never heard this approach and I fucking love it. You're amazing. Uh,
0: (laughs) So look forward to that. That is going to be up on the feed again, October 2nd, tentatively. I will say this. I'm also back. uh, I'm I'm rolling back those little YouTube mini shows that we were doing because as much as I love them, I really want to focus on us getting out there and meeting and interviewing with some of these people. So as Peggy and I were chatting, we decided... We're gonna go with interviewing folks right now. If the minisodes become a thing in the future that we really want to go and do, then we'll go forth and do it. But it is a concept that works, and I am happy to shelve it for now because I am so eager for us to start having conversations. That is thanks to the Phenomicon. I just said it wrong, didn't I? Phenomenacon.
1: Phenomenacon.
0: Phenomenacon. Yes. Uh Thanks to Phenomenacon because hearing all those lecturers actually talk. About this stuff. Not just reading it or hearing it from an audio book or something. Seeing them live stream it was just so invigorating. So, Katie Also, Webb, another...
1: Yes, Katie Webb cannot wait. Another announcement that I'm going to make mm-hmm. is... Coming soon to the Chaos and Shadow website. That's chaosandshadow.com. You will be able to actually book a tarot reading with me on there fairly soon. Ooh. So, I... Uh, Kyle and I have discussed it. We're going to be putting that up there. Uh, that will be great. So if you want a private tarot reading with me, you can request one there and it'll be good times. So, yeah. And there's also going to be more witchy stuff coming as well. Uh, we're still get, working at the kinks, but keep your ears open and your eyes tuned into all that good stuff. There's going to be lots of cool witchy stuff coming as well.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, I I can't wait to put that out there. And like I said, I'm I'm definitely working on my tarot stuff too cuz I'm so so interested in learning and and participating as well. And I've got I'm surrounded by such good coaches and stuff that can share their knowledge, pagans so good at it. I've definitely seen pagan do many reads before um through Discord and such and they were just phenomenal. So, very very amped for that. What else? I think that's going to be everything this week. You guys bear with us. We appreciate it. If you feedback on our two-parter, it was our very first time splitting a topic over two weeks. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We hope we kept it nice and concise for you, as concise as this crazy case could be
1: and exactly.
0: uh, yeah we just tell you go forth <laughs> follow on twitch follow on twitter follow on instagram you can find those all at chaosandshadow.com. there's lots of links our podcast is on spotify itunes and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast if you get the option please leave us a five-star review those are amazing they help us so much with discoverability and all that it gets it out there in those feeds a little bit higher so that would be awesome And I'm going to leave you. No more. No more housekeeping for this week. You're all free to go and relax and enjoy the paranormal. Stay tuned for us posting more crazy stuff. Pagan will have more vault notes going up there. So if you're not already doing that, look in the description of these episodes. Uh, Pagan does a beautiful job taking our notes and our imagery that we find and formulating it all together. They look so professional and well done. Pagan, thank you for that. And thank you for joining us again this week to share your
1: knowledge. Thank you for having me, as always, and I love being your co-host. And have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we will talk to you all very soon.
0: Indeed. Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye.